Welcome to the podcast. Today is July 1st, 2020. And today we're going to talk about Parler, we're going to talk about Twitter, we're going to talk about YouTube, and we are going to talk about deplatforming and banning once more. First of all, we're going to talk about Twitter. Because, hey, I was checking out the actual Twitter account, so Twitter's own account the other day, and it turns out that their profile is now a black Tweety Bird, and the contour around it is an outline of rainbow colors. Their profile description reads, Black Queer Lives Matter, Black Trans Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter. Now, I thought that I had actually landed on some kind of a parody account at first because it's so kind of cliche and, you know, it's so over the top that it almost reads like a troll account. You know, they incorporate they incorporate all the woke stuff in one single profile description. Now, why do I bring this up? Well, because I thought Twitter was about speaking your mind, you know, not regurgitating the most exhausted expressions of June 2020. Anyway... You are allowed to speak your own mind, even if that means spouting the same old monotonous ideas that we've already heard a million times. But basically what you're doing then is you're not tweeting, you are retweeting. But what's annoying people is not that Twitter doesn't speak freely, it's that Twitter doesn't allow other people to speak freely either. Because, you know, most recently... They censored Trump yet again over his warnings to protesters who are seeking to set up this autonomous zone in D.C. as well. So he basically said that if they try, they're going to be met with serious force. Now, apparently that message was not allowed by Twitter because apparently Twitter gets to decide which of the messages of a president are fit for broadcast. Now, of course, it's not the first time that Twitter has acted as the Central Bureau of Censorship. But I think people's patience is starting to wear pretty thin here. And not surprisingly, I mean, we are starting to see people not being impressed with these antics and they're going elsewhere. Now, most recently, I'm seeing a big inflow into an app called Parler. So why Parler? What is this thing anyway? So in their own words, Parler is a non-biased, free speech driven entity. What does that mean, really? So apparently their goal is to offer the world a platform that protects users' rights, supports publishers, and builds online communities. Sounds good. Now, Parler aims to empower users to control their social experience. And users can be responsible to engage content as they see fit. Sounds pretty promising so far, actually. They say they're not regulators nor governors, that they are a community. And they accept your right to express your thoughts, your opinions, and your ideals, and so forth. And they say that just like in society, parlor interactions are subject to guidelines. And when you respect them, you are free to participate wholly. Okay, that sounds pretty decent so far, but what are those guidelines? And what does it really mean to respect them? So I'm not quite sure what to make of that last bit. But on the face of it, it does sound far better than Twitter in its simplicity. Because on Twitter, it's as we know, it's up to a small panel of apparatchiks to intervene as they see fit. So what are some of those parlor guidelines? Now, they won't allow spam. They won't allow outright terror organizations, unsolicited advertising, you know, libel, slander, incitement to violence, blackmail, porn, indecency, you know, gross stuff, obscenity, plagiarism, bribery, doxing, etc. 
the list runs pretty long, but it's I think it's one that very few people would have any big problems with. And also this list mostly includes things that are well already illegal to begin with. Now I guess what it all boils down to here is just how these policies are going to be enforced and just what they deem obscenity or libel. I guess we'll see. But so far, I'm pretty hopeful and I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt for now. Now, Parler, they say that the next generation of social media is one where content creators are supported for participating. Now, there's not too much detail on this yet, but it seems to me that we should be expecting some sort of an end-user remuneration scheme, you know, much like we have on platforms such as Minds.com or Steam. And this type of model is actually gaining ground, and it continues to do so. I think we will see a complete shift in the digital ecosystem over time, but it will take some time. But it is happening, albeit at a glacial pace, um, but the user is becoming a component in the monetization equation. So give it a few years, and users will be asking, what's in it for me? when they join any new communications network. Now, Parler also say that they will be providing enterprise tools to enhance online blogs, media, websites, and so forth with direct social integrations and monetization capabilities. I guess this means that they're doing what Facebook does. In other words, allowing for commenting and engagement directly on third-party websites. Now, personally, I don't love those integrations because they do allow for vast data collection. So, I mean, if you are a normal user using a normal browser, Facebook knows every single page that you've ever visited and when and where from and for how long, etc. So they can basically reconstruct the essence of your web presence in minute detail. And all of this collection is possible because, well, A, you're logged into Facebook right now, most probably, and B, most websites, like I say, they have that Facebook pixel on them. So when you buy something, Facebook also knows the path you took to purchasing that product and what you bought, how much you paid, etc. And we better hope that Facebook doesn't do anything nefarious with all this data they've collected or that they don't try to do anything far more grand, such as creating their own currency. Oh wait, that's exactly what they are doing. In any case, back to Parler. Now, I don't think that we need another social network to place a bunch of code on all third-party websites in existence. But let's move on. Let's also take a look at the privacy policy. So, of course, they will be using your address book if you allow them to. But mostly, apart from that, it's pretty plain vanilla. Not good, not horrendous. But they don't seem to be very meticulous about their stand on privacy, though. Well, I guess at the very least, it's not some 20-page legalese document that refers to another set of cross-reference documents that would take a week and a half to go through. It's pretty simple. But so what's the actual platform like then? I mean, I'm not seeing a whole lot of meaningful discourse yet. I mean, this is hard to make out as a brand new user. But... I do see a lot of, you know, news article posts and a few memes and quite a lot of blabber and not a lot of back and forth meaningful conversation, which is kind of what's happening on a, on a number of these brand new social platforms. But at least it hasn't really devolved into the type of bigoted vitriol that you see on sites like Gab.com. But free speech is free speech. But I think, you know, as more and more of these brand new social media platforms pop up and gain ground, 
I think Twitter will eventually need to respond to all these new players, respond in the sense that they need to take another look at their policy stance. They need to pivot and get with the times. And, and there's already been some talk about an open version of Twitter. So Twitter themselves have entertained this idea of an uncensored, unfiltered Twitter that basically can be activated on demand and it would allow you to see a lot of the vitriol, I guess, a lot of the unpalatable ideas that they would otherwise be filtering out of people's feeds. Now, if they don't overhaul their policies and they continue with all this leftist agenda stuff that they're doing, I think they're going to continue to see outflows from their platform and it's probably going to escalate. Now, but let's assume that they launch this open version of Twitter. Can they realistically keep people on the platform by doing so? So here's my speculation. I think that if they enable that feature, it's going to be done in such a way that it completely disables all filtering. So I mentioned that Parler, they'll filter out spam and gross stuff, etc. Stuff that probably people don't want to see in the first place. And I would venture a guess that Twitter would keep all that stuff in. And here's the thing. Nobody wants a totally unfiltered feed. Much like you couldn't live with zero spam filtering in your email inbox. And, you know, freedom of speech doesn't mean let's all accept a torrent of scam letters and repeated bot posts and endless Viagra ads and so forth. We don't want that. Now, we'll see just if and how Twitter launched this open version thing. But I think they're going to use it as a way to defend what they've already been doing for the past few years. Now, I think you do want to filter Twitter. You just don't want a politically filtered Twitter. Anyway, in somewhat related news and sticking with this censorship theme, it looks like we've had yet another wave of deplatforming on YouTube. So this time, Stefan Molyneux's head has finally rolled. Now, if you don't know him, he is a libertarian philosopher and he comments on basically current events and news. Now he's, I guess you have to call him an advocate for freedom of speech and freedom of expression and exchange of ideas, you know, free markets, open discourse and so forth. That's kind of his shtick. But apparently he has been banned for hate speech. Now, admittedly, he is an abrasive character. And, uh, you know, has he made comments about stuff like race and IQ and does he ruffle feathers? Well, yes and yes, but in all fairness, what he's done, first and foremost, is he's advocated for this non-aggression principle. He's advocated for open and honest conversation. And quite frankly, that doesn't really equal hate speech, if you ask me. In any case, people have already taken to Twitter to try and reach out to YouTube. And you can actually see that YouTube is responding to other tweets, and because they're quite active on Twitter, but they are choosing to ignore this torrent of people calling on Twitter to, to reinstate Molyneux. And I think, again, this is the kind of stuff that will cause yet more people to abandon YouTube, because this guy was not a small fish. Now, speaking of abandoning platforms, turns out that Unilever, Verizon, Adidas, Ford, Microsoft, etc., they have suddenly decided to cancel their Facebook ad campaigns in what I would call a gross act of virtue signaling, but call it what you will. Now, apparently, Facebook is not doing enough 
of what YouTube is doing, meaning they're not canceling enough unpleasant voices. So all these brands have decided to, to throw their toys in the air and leave the room. Now, what all these brands demand here is that Facebook should do more to make the platform quote unquote safer. Now, I have to say, I almost feel bad for Zuckerberg on this one. And, and you know, I've been, I've pretty much been his harshest critic over the past few years, but it seems that what he did finally was he decided that Facebook just can't thwart all these so-called undesirable conversations. And he realized that it's not their job to act as the conversation police, nor to intervene in political discourse. And apparently, as I say, this has had all the old school brands throw a coordinated tantrum. And these are all huge advertisers, some of the, some of the biggest advertisers in the world. And Facebook shares have already taken a dip, call it 5% or so. And you know, that's not a lot, but rest assured that if we do see revenues continue to dip and stay down, I think Zuckerberg is going to change course in a heartbeat and we're going to have a censorship fest like never before. And of course, all of that will make Facebook even more of a Truman show. It's going to become even more curated, even more inorganic, even more inauthentic and quite frankly, boring. And all of that's going to accelerate this slow motion demise that we're already witnessing. Because that's the thing, Facebook, YouTube, and even the brands themselves, you know, the ones that virtue signal their authenticity away, they are their own worst enemies, really. And they are pretty much the source of their own demise. Now, as I say, luckily, there are alternatives out there, some with a more sound take on freedom of speech. I mean, I already mentioned Parler, and there are plenty more of them popping up. Anyway, what do you think? Does any of this censorship and all the thwarting of political messaging, does it bother you at all? Are you going to join Parler, by the way? Let me know what you think. You can email me on podcast at nyman.media. That's podcast at nyman.media. And as always, thanks for listening.